One of the words you said there, I think, encapsulates pretty much the whole film. The whole three hours, 20-odd-ish minutes running time, and that is audacious. (laughs) (laughs) I think I felt it was a bit too long. I felt, generally, I thought there's maybe trimmed down on some of the sequences. If they could get to, like, two hours and 30 with this, still telling the same story, I think we could have have a really like super engaging film overall I was going to say all of those slow motion sequences given that there were quite a lot of them I think probably yeah. elongated the movie by <laughs> about, about 30 yeah. minutes probably <laughs> more real time hey everybody joining Flixwatcher today we have John hello there Nicola hello and Kobe hey and we're here to talk about R-R-R Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are John and Nicola. Over to you please, Nicola, to tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hello. Well, by day, I am a writer, researcher and presenter and former futurologist as well. Before you ask, I do have a crystal ball. Sadly, I saw no future in it. So yeah, I don't don't use a crystal ball. That would be boring if I did that all day. I basically, I don't have a podcast. Everybody else has. I, I haven't got one. I tend to be a bit of a pod tart. I, I go on other people's and I usually talk about worky stuff. So it's normally things about the future of work and customer experience, but that's what I do by day. By night, I spend most of my time in darkened rooms, usually at the cinema to be honest but I do spend a lot of time at the theatre as well and and the occasional gig so yeah I mean that's me gigs not been to one of those before since before since the the poor times oh wow really I went last week (laughs) it was a good one oh excellent yeah I've been so many and so many that I forgot I booked and then they went send you emails going like uh, you may have booked this ticket a while ago, but you're you're going to see Elton John next week. Have you remembered? <laughs> it's been like that for like the past year where the gigs have obviously been rescheduled for now. And it's like, oh yeah, I've got, I had forgotten. Thanks for reminding me. Got the date wrong. <laughs> I have been known to turn up on the wrong night. So uh, it's always good to get those reminders. I've done that by like exactly a year. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> then it's fine. You've got the night off, go and watch a film, do something else. Right. So, yeah, John, who are you? Hi, my name is John Loftus. I live in Limerick in Ireland and you can find me on 8radio.com. I also write on goldenpleck.com writing about music and movies. I also host the STEM Inspirations podcast. And tell us about the STEM Inspirations. Are you acknowledge the fact we need more teachers in the STEM realms? Well, it's encouraging the next generation, really. So the STEM Inspiration podcast has grown out of a competition called the BT Young Scientist and Technology Exhibition, which is about to celebrate its 60th year. And that's all about encouraging the next generation of innovators and scientists across secondary schools in Ireland. The winner of the competition then goes 
over to Europe and competes against a whole pile of European nations, actually nations from right around the world, actually in that competition. And thankfully, since Ireland has done so badly in Eurovision of late, we have now moved into the realms of science and we were conquering Europe in that regard. And we've actually won the European Young Scientist competition 17 times. It's a great way to, to encourage you to look at the problems of the world and put their minds to it. And the week in January at the RDS in Dublin is inspiration and the future. I don't know whether Nicola can see it in her crystal ball, but the future is in safe hands based on what we see every January. That's for sure. It's also the best event ever. I, I absolutely love going to it because it's in January, it's dark. You've just had Christmas. You're miserable. You go and you just get this flood of incredible, incredible young people coming up with the most amazing ideas. So I love it. Uh, well, we're here talking about films. Science is good. Science is important. Science is vital. But so are films. And we're here talking about RRR, which is your choice, John. Can you tell us, first of all, why you chose it? And then get the time up in which you'll have 60 seconds to give the synopsis. Yeah, why did I pick it? That is a really interesting question because when I'm going through Netflix of late after listening to your podcast, it's always been kind of in the back of my mind. That would be a great one to do or that would be a great one to do, etc. And obviously some of my favourites, likes of... I know you haven't done The Hateful Eight. It's the only Tarantino you haven't done, and I love Tarantino. Kill Bill Volume 2 as well. We haven't done that. Event Horizon. I don't, I'm not sure whether you've done her Event Horizon, because that's been in and out very quickly we as well. We haven't, no, sadly, but it's out there for the pickings. Please do pick it. Exactly. So <laughs> all of these things were would have been obvious picks, but for some reason, RR came into my head and it was going, yeah, even though it's most successful Indian movie, it's got loads of accolades. I don't think enough people have seen it. I saw it once and I loved it. I remember myself and Nicola have talked about it loads of times ourselves. And I said, Do you know what, it would be a great opportunity just to give it a little bit more love and maybe encourage more people to, to watch it and, and actually encourage myself to watch it again. Fair play. So here is the timer. And it starts now for your synopsis. Right. Mali is a young girl from a forest tribe and she's kidnapped by the provincial governor and his wife. Beam, the protector of the tribe, travels to Delhi to rescue her. Meanwhile, Ram is an Indian policeman in the British forces on a mission to be promoted to the rank of special officer. The two bond after an audacious bridge rescue and they become deep, deep <laughs> friends. But eventually they realise they're at cross purposes or are they? After a whipping, imprisonments, and a song and a dance, the heroes realise they are both fighting the same enemy, which leads to an explosive conclusion. One of the words you said there, I think, encapsulates pretty much the whole film. The whole three hours, 20-odd-ish minutes running time, and that is audacious. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly it's that. Definitely. That bridge yeah. scene where they just, they don't even speak to each other, they just kind of nod. Yeah. And like signal to each other and they know exactly what they're going to do. Like I'm going to jump across the rope at the same time. You're on the bike. I'm on the horse. I'm going to jump off at the same time. So we're equally balanced with this flag. I'll dip the flag in the water, hand it to you. So you, you're protected by the fire. And then we're going to save this kid, throw him into the dry land. And at the end, we'll hold hands and grasp each other. So we're not, I was like, why not? Why? Obviously. Why the hell not? <laughs> <laughs> so, Johnny said you've spoken to Nicola on this What You said, did you enjoy it, Nicola? I did. did. Were you looking forward to this second watch? Sorry, this repeat watch? I actually saw this at the cinema. Oh, wow. You're lucky. I am 
very much a cinema fan and I missed it first time round actually and um, it came back so and I'd had a few people say you, you should see this so uh, I, I had the best time <laughs> <laughs> uh, people were high-fiving each other and dancing in the aisles and it had an intermission which I think should be a thing no. I mean, no, it was brilliant. Um, and, and actually in the Netflix version, there's an intermission as well. But I mean, we're getting so many movies these days that are, I mean, this is three hours seven, but you know, John Wick was two hours 49. That was too long. Babylon the, Batman, too long. two hours 56. Bo is Afraid coming soon, two hours 59. Avengers Endgame, three hours one. And to beat it all, coming soon, Killers of the Flower Moon, allegedly three hours 26. I mean, I have an old lady bladder. So I usually have to kind of dehydrate if I know that I'm not going to have an interval. And we have them in theatre, so why don't we have them in cinema? I'm campaigning at the moment for uh, for more intervals. But it just makes the whole experience like 20 minutes longer than it needs to be. Yeah, and the, the, the cinemas always say, well, we, we need to schedule more films. And But if you've got a three-hour film, having a 10-minute break is not going to give you enough of a, a gap to basically <laughs> put another three-hour film on. So I enjoyed the interval as well, which I kind of did have on my rewatch because, as I said to John, I started watching it. I'd had a late night the night before and I started to be a bit sleepy and I thought, no, I want to really... Not because I was bored, but I just need a break. So actually I turned it off, went to bed and then watched the rest of it the next night, which was lovely, actually, that, they intentionally put a break in it. More films should do that. But yes, I loved it. So, Helen, this is our second film from the Indian subcontinent. One that been an earlier one, been Egan Mackie, also an exemplarily long running length. You weren't a bit, that big a fan of that. How does this? How does this rank compared to that? This was better. I feel as though that I'm probably going to be a little bit more lukewarm compared to everyone else here. And I was really looking forward to seeing it. Netflix said to me it was 93% match for me. And I looked at watching it probably over like the, the Christmas period or maybe again when it won, won the Oscar. And I saw three hours, but oh, no, I'm, I really struggled to get the enthusiasm. But I'm really glad that I have watched it. I think I struggled a little bit with its mix of being extremely earnest and then being extremely over the top. And I, I maybe this just isn't quite like my genre. Like the, the the Indian cinema that I've seen and enjoyed is very, very different to this. So yeah, I'm looking forward to what everyone's going to be saying. <laughs> there's bits that I liked and there's a... what do you call it like a double shoulder sitting on gun phenomenon thing which what would you I don't know how you describe it this sitting on these shoulders and firing guns through the air which was ridiculous and hilarious but there's lots of other stuff I I, I wasn't that into so yeah I'm going to enjoy what you're saying I I know a lot of people like really 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 have loved this and have taken it to their hearts you know, I'm happy it exists, but <laughs> I struggled a little bit with it. It's one of those ones that I didn't know it existed, but then more and more reviews popped up, and more and more podcasters started talking about it. It's like, gosh, you, you've got to have seen this. And then when it was on Netflix, I was like, it sounds like a film you, you want to see in the cinema. And I just wasn't ever in a place at the time to watch it at the cinema when it came out. So when you suggested it, John, I thought, it was, I thought, well, fantastic. There's a reason for me to watch it here and now on Netflix and as soon as possible. And this gives me an opportunity to revisit a lot of those episodes of podcasts as well, where people did do like a deep down review on it. So I'm going to, I've already loaded some of those up to listen over the next coming days once I've gone through my succession recap podcasts. I mean, at the, at the top end, Audacious is 
putting it mild. This is this is borrowing a lot from the audacious nonsense that the Fast series has become. Almost there's these people are superheroes essentially, but in anything but actual name, right? And it's well, these two people specifically, Beam and Ram. No real explanation for why, apart from you know, Beam is the, the, the village protector, so he's he's got to be super skilled, and Ram is just really super earnest and wants to prove himself in a myriad of different ways. So they both have superpowers. I'm fine. Love it. The setup is a bit weird. It seems a bit like there's... Have you guys seen The Grey Man, which is a, a, a film that we, we reviewed on here? So yeah, the setup seemed kind of similar in that there's two people who aren't really connected suddenly have mad beef against each other. Apart from then, in this, they become friends. And I, that was kind of the setup for it for me. What I really appreciated was just the nonsense. Yeah. And my, some of my favourite shots in cinema history... It was like when they were charging, I don't know, the palace, I don't know what it's called, the embassy, with a rickety three-storey stacked truck. And then the guy pulls like a handbrake turn. Then Beam jumps out of it with two flaming torches, just like a foot ahead of a whole zoo of like angry animals from raging from like elk to tigers. And I was just like, where is this going? And I just... I can understand if you're not into that, they might have completely put you off those kind of things. But if you're just in the, if you're in the frame of mind and just think, you, I could imagine high-fiving people when that came on the screen. I can imagine high-fiving people in loads of different areas. I can imagine high-fiving people at the bridge scene, for example. I, actually, Natu Natu was probably the, the most active everybody was. <laughs> so Natu Natu is the... Oscar winning song. Yeah. Which what song was it? I didn't actually know which the, which one it was. It's the one involving the the mass dance off. Yeah, I thought it might be. And they did it at the Oscars as well. Which when they got nominated, I was kind of they're going to do it. And I, they obviously didn't do it with the two stars because the two stars are basically the Tom Cruise and Leonardo DiCaprio of Indian cinema. So they're not going to get them to do it. But they got a dance troupe to do it. But it was spectacular even on stage. But yeah, that number is I think it's about four minutes, four and a half minutes long for a start, and and is incredibly. I mean, it's incredibly well done. But then Indian cinema does tend to do dance routines very well, which is somewhat one of the curiosities about Indian cinema, isn't it? That you do get in what is, to Helen's point, quite serious films sometimes, um, sometimes just break into song and dance for no particular reason. But And indeed, I think the particularly funny one here is obviously the whipping scene, where it's, it's very obvious that one should actually have a song in during that one. Although it works, it just works. It's a very rousing song and the audience, both in the cinema and actually on screen, respond to it. So it kind of works, but I'm not sure. I mean... Top Gun would probably be the American equivalent of this in terms of sort of bravado and nationalism. Um, I can't imagine Tom Cruise doing a, a song and dance number, you know, in between launching fighter jets. <laughs> he's got. He's, he's spending too much time running. He's running too much. Has he not done one uh, Rock of Ages? <laughs> yeah, true. Actually, yeah. What, what character is he playing? Rock of Ages. Stacy. Stacy Jacks. Is it? Yeah. I've not seen the film. I don't know where I pulled that from out of my ass. That's insane. I've not seen it either. I'm not surprised that you love the nonsense. I was watching it. I was going, oh, I reckon Kobe's going to love this. <laughs> I wish I had seen it in the cinema with people. If this was, def- this would definitely be, I'd go to the Prince Charles if I had time to watch it because I know there'd be other people into this. Likewise, I missed it in the cinema. Ram and Beam's introductions are probably two of the best introductions in cinema. I mean, the special effects in terms of... Like the animals, you could tell that obviously the super CGI'd, but it just kind of didn't matter in any way, shape or form. It's just like, yeah, that's obviously not a tiger scratching a beam as he's 
holding, <laughs> as he's holding it back by the strength of his own awesomeness. I did love the fact that right up front, I think it's the first thing you see on screen is no animals were harmed during this. They were all CG. And then they, then they list all of the CG animals. It's kind of a wow, oh, there's I'm, a lot of them. <laughs> I completely missed that. I completely missed that vibe. I, I missed that too. But for a three, a three hour a plus movie, it just, it rocks along. I mean, it just goes from a set piece to set piece, dance to song. We've spoken about another movie recently, which was uh, a third of the length, but definitely felt twice as long. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just brilliant. All the action, as you said, that introduction, and it just kind of sets it out wonderfully because you have the story, you have the heroes, and what I loved actually uh, when we're talking about the music is the way they use some of the songs almost like a Greek chorus to kind of link one kind of chapter to the next chapter. Mm. I thought that worked re- really well. But yeah, that bridge rescue it was just, I remember seeing the trailer and that and I said, that's a film I really need to see. But like everything else was just, was brilliant. That attack with the animals was just mind-blowing really and uh <laughs> and but then it still landed emotionally for me as well and i mean as the story goes on and reveal like because being's mission is pretty straightforward you know what he's after he's wants to rescue the sister from the the clutches of the horrible governor and his wife alison duty playing an absolute heel uh, of a lady and Ray Stevenson literally twirling his moustache. I mean. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Alison Dooley has uh, back, you know, between Nazis now and bad uh, colonials. Where did she play Nazi? And The Last Crusade. Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. She's oh, Elsa. holy shit. She's Elsa, yeah. Yeah. And, wow, there you go. Yeah, and actually Ray Stevenson is turning up in Ahsoka as one of the Inquisitors as well. So he... In terms of evil empire types, he's well able to play those as well. Yeah. Fantastic. I want to just talk about this, the serious side, and this may be where Helen enjoyed the film a bit more or, or took more from it. There's so <laughs> so dark story. This late, this uh, child gets kidnapped for what well, I assume is very, very little money. Then that propagates the attack with the guys in India against the British colony. I really enjoyed that that kind of head-to-head, the, the kind of storyline about the local, you know, the rebellion against the empire side of things, which is what a lot kind of drives you know, things like Star Wars. The British guys were evil, like I say, moustache twirling evil, and that was funny and that was, that was interesting. Through to that, you know, just throwing the spiky whip at, at Ram to use on, on beam, which is a really horrible idea. It's like, he's not bleeding enough, you're not hurt enough get these inside and let's rip his skin off. And I feel that that's a lot of that must've been based in reality that I don't really want to know about because it's, it's too bleak to show. So it's in a film like this, it's interesting. It brings that to the foreground and it tells it in a way that people do understand and be like, oh shit, this, this stuff t- did happen. You know, partition did happen and lots of people were really displaced by what happened when the colonies invaded these different places where they potentially should have been hanging out. So yeah, Helen, is there anything on that side of the story that engaged you at all, or is it? Uh... Uh, I I, f- I feel that that it was just a little bit the because like the whipping scene is horrific, but then it's also played very comic booky and mm. like you know he's fine afterwards. So it's a bit like oh it can't be that bad. So there's a little bit of like if it had been slightly a bit more in reality, then it might have had a bit more of an impact. 
But then we wouldn't have had jumping off a burning truck with hundreds of animals at the same time. So I feel... Yeah, I mean, this, this, it's kind of start, the the setting and like the start, you know, the start of the film and the you know basically just stealing children is really upsetting. And then we have kind of like the other backstory where this like little kid sees his dad shot to death and his is it the mother or his auntie out. and his yeah. other children in the village. They're really kind of hard hitting moments. And then there's just loads of silliness, and I'm I'm just a bit like. I don't know what I'm meant to be feeling. Am I meant to be feeling as if this is something like marking history and something that should kind of shock me? Or am I meant to be like, hey, it's funny, it's a CGI tiger, which I, I struggle a little bit. And I also like, <laughs> this is probably like just a genre thing, but the romance between the English woman and the... Yeah, um, and being where was, it came up, came up almost out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm just a bit like, oh... Oh, that they they could have got rid of that, and maybe it would have been because it is essentially it's a bromance. It's about the love the two guys have for each other, and obviously they can't make it about that, so they have to kind of like shoehorn the film in. But the genuine bromance and the bond that they have, and the inner conflict that they have when they find out that they're fighting against each other, is the more interesting parts. For but love me. conquers all. <laughs> yeah and, and it's just a bit like oh this bit feels it's some bits were just a bit too silly for me and I, I'm not as big into the nonsense as you are so yeah I just struggled a little bit with it which it is I think that's me more than because everyone else has gone hey it's fine <laughs> I don't care about the, the, the shifting moods from shot children to flying tigers and things it's fine I'm like what I can't deal with it I think because the bad guys are so pantomime bad, had they been like 12 years a slave kind of bad guys where they were like really po-faced and serious set against the Natu Natu dancing, I don't think that would have worked at all. But <laughs> 12 years a slave would not work with a dance number at all, I think. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But because the, I can't remember the, the bad lady's name, because she was so ridiculously like OTT and the guy when he didn't know how to work his motorbike and then went ballistic at beam and now just being like a, so is that kind of like they're being so beats him horrifically for that i'm just like what yeah but you you know so you know it's like crazy over the top and it's with that intonation i feel that it makes it easier and it makes it easier for us to be behind beam and ram when they're like rising up against everyone you're like yeah get them get them you you fuckers yeah Absolutely. It is based on, like, the Beam and Ram, they are based on actual revolutionaries from India in the 1920s. Now, they never met and they obviously didn't go through <laughs> what what is witnessed on screen. But so it's a fictionalized version from the director. So, and he's he's actually stated that he's he was inspired by the likes of Inglorious Bastards and the likes of Motorcycle Diaries, just in terms of, you know, that hero's journey to free a nation from uh, Shara Bastards, which was what, what, what they were suffering under the boot of. So it is that heightened mythology, really, of the Indian struggle towards independence. There's also, with a lot of Indian movies, there's always mythology somewhere in there. So uh, obviously um, Rama was in the Ramayana. Yana is a god and Bhima in the Mahar... I'm terrible at Indian pronunciation. So anyone Indian listening, I apologise. But the Mahabharata 
that that's got obviously those two names have a kind of mythological aspect to it which actually i did have an argument as to whether this is kind of a superhero movie it is two gods effectively obviously they aren't and they never were in reality but it is a a really weird one because again superhero movies don't usually have song and dance numbers or indeed whipping scenes necessarily in them so it is a weird balance and I was I must confess on the second watch I think I was more aware of some of that brutality whereas when I was in the cinema I was kind of drunk on the the, everyone enjoying themselves (laughs) around them and I think the second watching I was kind of oh actually this is quite nasty and and actually was a lot bloodier than I remember as well but obviously you know after those savage beatings they're all they're jumping up and down and which kind of points towards that sort of more marvel thing because those guys get a beating as well but they always stand up and they're fine about two minutes later so it's that kind of it is a weird mixture and i must confess i did notice that more the second time around did you i mean let's talk about the the violence side of things because it was a lot bloodier than i expected it to be again i've watched a handful of Indian-based films, so I, I was kind of expecting them not to be so. What did that take? Did that? Yeah, what do you guys think about the, the bullet holes and flying blood? And I, I didn't think it was a gore fest. It was uh, strong in places, all right, but yeah, the, I thought the whipping scene was probably the worst of it, to be quite honest. And it was cartoonish, you know. So you know, I don't think it even. I don't think it de- definitely didn't get to uh, Tarantino levels for the most part. And you know, I think. Probably it did lean a little bit on the silly side. I think it probably got a little bit sillier as it went on. I do think that it, that last action scene when they're uh, on each one is on the other's shoulders and they're jumping out of buildings and doing all sorts of somersaults that just stre- stretch credibility just even more than the film <laughs> it could get away with. But is that the bit you thought is not realistic? That's the only place. It was the only place really now. <laughs> But Juat, they carry well. Juat, the two uh, leads, MT Raman Rao Jr. and Ram Charan, they they're mesmeric. They're just they are the Leo and Tom Cruise. They're like they would set your heart to flutter if you were so inclined. But <laughs> and also that's the reason why it's called RRR. Apparently, although it says it's Rise, Rule, Re- Revolt in in English, actually in in Telugu it doesn't mean that at all. It's simply Rajamuli Ram and and Rama. So Rajamuli being the director the director yeah. and the two stars they are so i mean as i said they, those three i mean basically rajamuli i believe has something like the top three grossing indian films of all time so he's like the james cameron of india and has come together with these two who actually don't normally appear together because they're so big stars they don't normally appear mm. in the same film and i think they'd insisted that they had approximately the same screen time as well but so almost like the towering inferno type thing where yeah. they have to have the yeah and I think it's quite interesting that if it was remade, which I hope it never is, but it would have to be something like CCC because it would have to be Cameron Cruz and I don't know, Chris Hemsworth or someone like that. Um, Chris. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't, I'm trying to think of C's, maybe Chris Nolan. I don't know, but I can't imagine Chris Nolan's version of RRR. But, but we are getting a sequel, which is the great news. Yes, I heard that. Yeah, that's weird. But... There's a sequel to this, is it? Yes. Sorry, Helen, you're going to talk about the violence you saying. So I was just having a quick look to see if I could find out what the certificate was. I didn't note it down. And 15 on Netflix. So when you get your Google suggestions, the top one is, is RRR good for kids? I would oh probably God. say no. No, no. I, I would say no. <laughs> <laughs> just if you're thinking like popping it on for your eight-year-old, maybe not. 
I don't know, Kobe, would you use, <laughs> what age would you let your son watch it? I did watch a bit of this in Milan because he, he was ill and I needed to, I did watch in, in a few sittings. So 20 minutes when he was kind of a bit out of it, I put it on and he's not an age where he knows what's going on. He doesn't know why, you know, jumping out of a wooden truck with flaming tigers doesn't make any sense. Although he may have uh, therapy <laughs> to deal with that <laughs> later on in life. But yeah, I wouldn't show this to anyone below the age of like 10. Although had I seen this at 10, I would have loved it as well. Because I, I saw like Robocop when I was seven. Yeah, there's actually a thread doing the rounds on Twitter at the moment. What are the films that you, you watched as a child that wasn't a, a children's movie? So there's some very, very interesting answers to that. My one was The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. Alien was mine. It's damaged me for life. <laughs> Not a film to show where I think I was eight. <laughs> well, I saw yeah, Robocop at eight or eight, seven or eight. I mean, I Parents saw them got, all. And just, yeah. I wish I'd seen Robocop then. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys want to say before we head to the scores? Okay, well, let's head to the scores. I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song and Kobe from Flixwatcher and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. So welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. The scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, John, with your recommendability. Yeah, I mean, it's a three-hour Indian film with very over-the-top action and dance numbers. So I have to tread carefully here. So I'm going to give it a 3.49. Okay. Nicola? I'm going to go for a round four, I think, in terms of recommendability. Again, just to mention our third musketeer, Heather Wells, who John and I basically talk movies to. She made me laugh a lot after we both recommended it to her. And she she WhatsApped us and went, it was about after an hour, wasn't it, John? And she just went, is it like this all the way through? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, she, if she could come on this podcast, she was just going to come on and go, it's rubbish. <laughs> I give it a one for every category. So, <laughs> three. You score four, Helen. It's a tricky one to recommend because I think to recommend it to people who are kind of like in for the all action nonsense and your Fast and Furious crew may struggle with the songs and the quite erratic subtitling as well, and the kind of length and the sort of incredibly earnest style and then the people who are generally kind of like up for musicals and enjoy a bit of a song and dance would perhaps be put off by the OTT violence and it just it's a trickyish one to recommend but we know you, you might have a good time with it if you've got this far to the podcast and you haven't seen it and you're still thinking what to do so I'm, I'm gonna give it a three like I'm really glad that I've watched it it was a weird experience but thank you <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for a four. And I think this is one where I think, like I say, as Helen rightly says, it's, it's difficult to gauge what spectrum, what, what kind of people to recommend it to because it's all things and, and nothing at the same time in, in terms of genres. But 
I think it's one of those things where I would push and say, look, have a go. If you don't like it within 15 minutes, like tap out because it's, it's something that might surprise you. And in that first 15 minutes, you got Ram besting, I don't know, a thousand people outside the barracks <laughs> and also being going toe to toe with, with a wolf and then a tiger. And if, if you don't like it at that point, if you're not in, interested at that point, then fine, just leave the film. But because it's got so many different angles to it, I've no idea who would definitely take against it or who definitely would love it. So I think, have a go, try it. Repeat viewing score. John. Uh, I'm going to go for a four. This was my second time watching it and I was still wrapped with it. I think you'd get more every time you watch it. And, you know, I think it's one of those ones you could chuck on and even just kind of half watch, you know, those sort of films that, because it's just that, the set pieces are so strong and like you, we hadn't mentioned those open action sequences till now and like there's there's actually just so many different set pieces in there you're going if, you, if like if you were passing the television and the bridge scene is on you're sitting down and you're watching the bridge scene you might just <laughs> you might go about your business then after that but you're wrapped in there for like that kind of 10 minute piece or whatever so what was that score sorry four one thing i meant to ask in the main part what language do you watch this on hindi you watch the Hindi with English subtitles? Yeah, because, and unfortunately, they didn't release it on Netflix in its native Telugu, I think is, or Telugu. I saw it, yeah. I saw it in Telugu in the cinema and then Hindi. I don't know why I watched it in Hindi, but I felt that, I think it, it's the same actors doing the voiceover in Hindi as Telugu, but I, I didn't like the English dub. <laughs> no, I would never watch a dub. Did you notice any difference between the Hindi and the Telugu? It, it was all Indian to me, to be honest. So, no, I... Because no. that's one thing I've heard a few times, almost apologetically, is like, it's not the original version, it's Hindi. I'm like, I, I don't know enough to know the difference. But I, I, it does surprise me that the, why not just have the original soundtrack? <laughs> exactly, it doesn't seem to make any sense. It's a copyright issue, I understand, because ah, they did okay. look it up, but I don't know why they haven't got it in the original language. So repeat me score, Nicola. I think, well, I say, I think the second time I watched it, I did enjoy it, but I did spot some of the flaws and maybe some of the shonky bits and, and I noticed the blood a lot more, but I still really enjoyed it. So I think 3.5 for me. Helen? I don't know. I don't think I'm going to go back to this. I can't really think of that many three hour plus films that I have watched loads anyway. 1.5. Yeah, I'm not going to watch as much. I do definitely want to see it in a rep cinema like the Prince Charles. I think that'll be the, the key time for me to go back and, and watch it. <laughs> I would have loved to go in there not knowing what the film is, not expecting everything and just walking away saying, I don't know what's happened, but it's been insane for the last three hours. That, that was me. That was exactly what my experience was. So repeat room score, 2.5. Small screen score, John. I'm going to go with four only because I've only seen it on the small screen and it's still been brilliant. Now, I'm sure seeing it on the big screen as you did, Nicola, it was amazing. But, you know, it still looks great on the television. So I'm going to I'll go with four. Nicola. Yeah, I did see it on the big screen. It's the most gorgeous, sumptuous looking film. And I think it it really isn't a film you should see on the small screen for a number of reasons, not just the fact that it's gorgeous and sumptuous, but that atmosphere. It's one of those films, I think uh, there are certain films that really do need to be seen in the cinema. A Quiet Place would be another one that I always give as an example because everyone really does have to suck their popcorn for an Shut hour. <laughs> exactly, because, you know, you really do not, I mean, that, that was probably the quietest I've ever been, <laughs> ever been in a cinema and no one made any noises. And it, this was almost the opposite. People were rioting. And I also don't, 
don't have the biggest screen in my house either or the best sound system. So I'm going to give it a one for small screen. Wow. Helen? I don't know if this makes me sound like I'm 80 years old, but the thought of going to the cinema and have people high-fiving in the aisles and screaming and shouting and jumping around... It's not for me. I like an atmosphere and I'm happy for people kind of cheering and if it's a horror, screaming and jumping and yelping. But I feel if I went to see this at the cinema, I'd have quite a bad experience watching it if people were doing that. So I've heard people getting up and doing the dance that unless it was a specific, this is a sing-along screening, I would find that a bit much. Sing-along or oh, 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 that, that has yeah. to happen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the, the Prince Charles would do something. I, I would find that and not the experience that I want. And I don't know, I don't know how well the CGI animals would kind of hold up on the big screen. So I think with this film, obviously it was made with the intention to see it with that kind of audience. So I think there should be some, you know, that's how it should be seen. So if you can do that. But for me, it was like fine at home. I don't want the experience. So I'm going to give it a four. I think it was good. It's obviously made for some bigger things. So that's why I'm dropping at a point, but I'm I'm happy watching it at home on my own. <laughs> I'm going to go for quite low one. I'm going to go for 2.2. I would definitely love to see this in the cinema as, as discussed. And I think I would have been loved that. I would have really enjoyed that uh, collective experience as well. I do, if it's well-placed and within the context of the film, you know, get, get people enjoying it in whatever way they want to, as long as it's not kind of distracting for you enjoying the film as well. And I think this, this seems like a proper party vibe kind of thing in a similar way to when I've seen secret cinema and people getting more involved into the screening than you would do in a traditional cinema. So I would say almost like secret cinema rules when (laughs) when you watch this in the cinema. Engagement score. John. I'm going to go with a 4.5 for a number of reasons. Watching it the second time, I was worried going into it whether I would be as wrapped and as engaged as I was first time around. And, And I certainly was. So that, so I was delighted with that. And, and as I've said all the way through, it just, it just keeps momentum going all the time. Like it's, it just, just doesn't let up all the way through. And so you're moving from chapter, moving from chapter, it just keeps, keeps you on, on your toes. And of course, there's the reveal about Ram through uh, half, two thirds of the way through as well. So that gives it just another level then again, which, which is fantastic. And then, and something I actually meant to bring up earlier was, you know, the nature of, it is a subtitle film. You actually have to stay engaged. And I think I certainly like watching international films. And I think it it does get you away from the bad habits of looking at your phone, which we've all fallen into in some shape or form. If you're watching a movie at home, uh, I'm definitely guilty of that. And I love when I watch a film with subtitles, whatever country it's from, you have to stay locked in because, you know, if you, if you start looking at your phone, you're, you're going to be lost. Yeah, so I'm... For, for that reason and I would encourage more listeners to uh, check out international cinema because some brilliant movies out there that uh, if you're afraid of that inch of words at the bottom of your screen you're you're missing out Director Bong exactly exactly so 4.5 Nicola engagement score so as I said I was engaged I did have to take a break <laughs> I didn't watch it all the way through. I did not do all the three hours. So, but as I said, I think there's there's almost a permission to do that. It wasn't because I wasn't engaged at all. Mm. I was never bored. And those set sequences are just 
yeah, they're replayable at any point, really. So, And I also agree with John that you kind of almost have to pay attention to subtitled movies. And I, too, appreciate that, again, particularly if I am watching them at home, because there are too many distractions um, otherwise. So um, I think I'm going to go with the 3.5. Fair play. Helen? So I, I just watched on what a version Netflix presented, which I assume was the dubbed one, but then it was subtitled anyway. So it was quite a chaotic experience because like not really much matched up, which is obviously something you have to keep your eye on. I think very much, you know, it's a very up and down. There's kind of like the big set pieces and then there's like the weird romance and then there's a bit too much kind of talky-talky and then there's another big set piece and then... I'm like, how long is going to go? And then it's like, oh, there's a twist in it. And then it's down again and up again. So I think overall it comes out as a three for me for engagement. I also did the English dub with the English subtitles and laughing at, at the differences. But it, it generally does happen because someone's written the script and someone's written, someone's written the script and someone's written the subtitles based on the original soundtrack. So, but it is funny sometimes seeing the difference. I think I felt it was a bit too long. I felt... Generally, I thought there's maybe trimmed down on some of the sequences. I'm not sure which one specifically, but if they could get to like two hours and 30 with this, still telling the same story, I think they could have have a really like super engaging film overall. I was going to say all of those slow motion sequences, given that there were quite a lot of them, I think probably yeah. elongated the movie by <laughs> about 30 minutes, probably. <laughs> More real time. That last act is probably a little stretched. Yeah. So it was like... Oh. Are we there yet, guys? <laughs> so, 3.8. That gives us an overall score of 3.24938. I thought it was going to be higher than that, but there we go. That's, that's the way the, the Flitzwater dice fall. Or are you giving your low scores for the through your small screen? I'm so I thought it was sorry. me it like is. bringing it down, but it was you guys giving it ones yeah, and yeah, twos for the small screen. <laughs> yeah, Helen's score was... was only like 0.13 different to Nicholas, but it was it's things like the small screen score, which overall just drag it down and repeat being a score. But yeah, that's how it works here in this podcast. And our strange scores, you can't, the scores don't lie. <laughs> so we had a great experience sharing and yeah. about this movie. So that's the main thing. Absolutely. It is a recommendation, generally. It is a recommendation, <laughs> yeah. You can sign off guys by telling or listeners where we can find you and say goodbye to them. Well, you can find me pretty much anywhere, to be perfectly honest. So uh, on Twitter, I am at Doc Nicola, where you'll find me not just talking about movies, but also worky stuff as well. So you'll get a bit of a mixture. I'm also on LinkedIn, more worky stuff than movies, to be honest. If you Google me, you'll find all sorts of weird and wonderful things that I've done as well. Mostly worky, but some other stuff as well. But so yeah, just you can find me anywhere. You can find me at LoftySNDS on Twitter. Tune in to at Radio Ireland as well, uh, 8radio.com, that is, for great indie sounds. And uh, she can watch and read my reviews of music and movies on goldplek.com. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us. And thank you very much, John, for picking RRR for us to talk Thanks. about. Thank you guys for having us. been fun. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. 
If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flix what she sent you. You just heard a stripped media production. 